Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, May 23rd, 2017. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 44, reading paragraph 2 and 3. And today's readers are The 12 Steps, Beatrice C., The 12 Traditions, Patty F., and reading the text and support are Gina R., Sherry K.B., John K., and Sylvia F. will greet our newcomers today. The reference numbers for yesterday and today's 7 a.m. meeting, the 10 a.m. yesterday's share ID is 10 a.m. 9966-9966. And this morning's 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 9968-9968. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Beatrice C. to read the 12 steps. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. The 12 steps. Number one. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And thank you so much for letting me do service. Thank you, Beatrice C. I will now ask Patty F. to please read the 12 traditions. Hi, I'm Patty F., a compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. 
One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a, is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group should have but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Patty F. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We share what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study and discussion of the big book on page 44, paragraph 2 and 3, which begins with, to one who feels he is an atheist or agnostic, and ends with, our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. And I will ask Gina R. to open up our study and discussion. Good morning, Gina. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you so much for your service. And everybody else on the line, welcome. This is Gina R., gratefully recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body in Colorado. To one who feels he is an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. But to continue as he is means disaster, especially if he is an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. To be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. But it isn't so difficult. About half Our original fellowship were of exactly that type. At first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope. We were not true alcoholics. But after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. Perhaps it is going to be that way with you. But cheer up. 
something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. Our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. Wow. Um, I actually was on uh, the meeting earlier, and things were just jumping out here. And even again, as I just read this, a couple more things um, jumped out to me. In the very first sentence, it says, to one who feels, and then... um, the second to the last sentence of the, of the second paragraph we wrote is, but cheer up, something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. So in these two paragraphs, we've got the feeling and we've got the thinking sandwiched, sandwiching us in. And that is exactly what happened and is happening for me. It's a continual process. What I am finding is... Um, the hopeless variety of alcoholic I am with the food or pretty much any other substance or um, activity um, centers around my thinking. I have a thinking disease. And after working these steps and understanding that my thinking was really a God of my uh, creation, not even my understanding, I was making my thinking my God, um, that is my problem. And so even though I believed uh, that there was a higher power greater than me, there were certain aspects or dimensions of it that I, I wouldn't allow myself to do. So, for example, if I say I believe God, that means I believe God has told me the truth. If I say I believe in God, that means I trust God um, and that I think God exists. What's missing from all of this is the feeling and what I know now is that these steps for me and the words in these pages are addressing the language of my heart and that is what my disease has smothered for years through food alcohol work you name it I have smothered the ability of my heart to connect in the way that my creator intended with my mind and with my thinking. So even though I believed God, I was still an atheist or agnostic around many aspects of it. Um, I wasn't that full-throttled atheist that some of the historians will tell you about, hopefully on this meeting. Um, But I was basically a garden variety atheist or agnostic who happened to believe. And it was keeping me sick. So I'm very grateful that um, these paragraphs show me that we connect how we feel with how we think through our higher power. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Gina. Okay, it's now open for sharing on this on these paragraphs. Who's open and ready? Jackie B. Hi, Jackie. Meg, Meg F. Meg F. Sue Subin Y. Sue Y. Carol K. Carol K. Reggie O. Hi, Reggie. Carrie H. Carrie H. Okay, let's stop there and see what we got. So this is what I have so far. I know I missed somebody, but I have Jackie B, Meg F, Subin Y, Charles D, Carol K, Reggie O, and Carrie H. Hi, Jackie. Hi, I'm Jackie uh, B from the Bronx, uh, compulsive over eater and recover, recovered uh, compulsive over eater one day at a time. Uh, 
Um, you know, it's funny. I've, I've read We Agnostics, and um, I don't know if I never believed in God. I think I always believed in God, but I always asked God, why did you give me this miserable life? I don't understand why... Um, I, you know, I didn't have the rose color life that I thought other people had. I was always looking at other people's windows, not looking at my own windows. Um, and, you know, and always saying, why do I have to have an alcoholic father? Why do I have to have a mother that can't be strong? Why do I have to have this? Why, 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 why? You know what? And I realized today, why am I not relying on my higher power to help me get through life? all these years. That's what the answer is today from this big book I get. Today, um, and like I said, my higher power has changed over sometimes with an inanimate object, sometimes it was um, God itself. Today, I believe in a force greater than myself that will relieve my obsession and my addiction one day at a time if I'm willing to work for it. And I wake up every single morning and I say the third step prayer. I offer myself to my higher power, that it should do with me what needs to be done so that I can be of service to the world and to myself. Um, and I'm so grateful for that because today, when I look in the mirror, I like Jackie. And I couldn't say that before. It was easier to say, Jackie, you're a piece of shit than tell Jackie, you know what, you're worth it today. So today, I like who I am because I am working my program. I have abstained and put down my trigger and uh, allergy foods. I do not obsess about my food. I do take care of my food, and I do be, and I am accountable for it. But for today, I look to my higher power to take everything because you know what? The world is just way too heavy for Jackie to hold. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie B. Meg F. Good morning. This is Meg F. Thank you very much, Melanie, for your service and Team Monday. I am Meg F. Recovered in California. And I am excited about this um, paragraph because I was thinking about it over the weekend and I was thinking about I was not agnostic. I was not atheist. I fully conceded there was a God. I I really had a very deep faith in God all my life. Big deal is what I want to say to anybody who's out there struggling, thinking they need a God and they don't have a God. So how can they do this program? It's like it had nothing to do with a faith that worked. It didn't make any difference, period. Um, I have been around for so many decades in these rooms and I've had a lot of nice things happen for sure in these rooms. But to really put down my self-will, this is a, I don't know, moment to moment process. It's something that takes full concentration to do so if you think that it might seem impossible and it would certainly mean a disaster especially if he is an alcoholic of the hopeless variety and as I was writing that down you know especially if he is an alcoholic it came out ASS of the hopeless variety do you know what I mean like and that really fit me the best you know kind of running over people's lives you know politely or screaming you know, pushing my fears down my children's throats and so they're anxious people, you know, like, you know, cornering my husband in coercive ways that I don't even know or can't even see. Sometimes I can't, of course, see them. Sometimes I can't. You know, it's the opposite of living calmly. It's the opposite of not living in, in somebody else's will. Um, just so, uh, can't run my phone, but anyway, 
um, peacefully in my own skin on my side of the street. That's the difference for me. It's like when I have a God that works, when I have a faith that works, which isn't a God that works. Okay, I always had God. I mean, I believe in lots of that stuff, but that didn't have anything to do with my behavior or the necessary psychic change that is required in order to bring about something different in my life experience. I could believe in God all I wanted, but it didn't have anything to do with a faith that works. So if people are feeling agnostic or atheist or left out, I just can tell you that those throngs of people that bow appropriately and have all the right words don't have anything up on you in terms of making this thing work. So with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Meg. Subin Y, you're next. Hi, this is Subin Y from New Jersey, I'm compulsive overeater. Um, to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. So there's only two options to, EB, to either live in the addiction and die um, or to live on a spiritual basis. Um, I've been in OA for a couple of months, for, you know, six months or so, and then I wasn't, you know, I haven't been able to get abstinent, and it's just, I've been really, really frustrated. Um, I was trying to do it my way and not my sponsor's way, and, you know, going from different sponsors, and I wasn't relying on my higher power, um, and I just, you know, at one point, I just got really, really resentful at my higher power for not giving me the willingness to put the food down, not um, helping me become abstinent. And I realized that I wasn't relying on my higher power. I was talking to one fellow, and she said, you know, do you trust your higher power? And I said, no. And, um, you know, recently I've been, you know, yesterday I prayed for the, I prayed for the willingness to be willing, um, the willingness to want to be abstinent, and after doing some writings and literature that my sponsor and other fellows sent me, um, homework, um, I realized that I can't worship both food and God. I was reading the acceptance chapter, and they said that you know, once, once, when he when he started drinking, it just clouded all his lenses, and it just everything just became more negative, and. I just today I woke up abstinent and I'm just really grateful. Just grateful for the fellows, grateful for the tools, grateful for grateful for the message and grateful grateful just being here. Um, and I like this line here, but after a while we have to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. And um I realized that once I ask God for help, when I ask God for the willingness to be willing, for the willingness to want to be abstinent, he he answers my prayers. But I've been just trying to do it on my own. And I realized how much easier would life be if I could just rely on him and just live his will rather than trying to live my will. All my life I've been trying to control, um, direct my life to work to be this way or that way. And I've been just suffering and suffering. And well, how easy would it be if I just let him direct my life and just to live his will and just to just to see how that works. Um, and with that, um, you know, I'm just, I'm grateful today that I woke up abstinent um, and that I, you know, I have wonderful sponsors. I'll, you know, I'm going to go to church and work up my steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Subin. 
Charles D., you're next. Yes, hi, this is Charles D., recovered from Oregon. Well, I'm so happy to be able to share this morning. It's, a, it's always a wonderful experience, and so uh, thank you, everyone. Um, I definitely am both atheist and agnostic, um, but as, as I've begun the program, I find that um, my ability to uh, connect with God is, is greater. The food had always been in the way of my any sort of experience of, of God, and um, I, I don't have to fear that experience as much as I did before, um, now that I'm more, more in, in, in recovery. And so um, I think both of those um, resistances towards ex fully experiencing God are still inside of me, as and, and also um, very much the disease is very much inside of me also, which is saying my food is calling me and, and still telling me that my food is the answer, that I, I need to eat more. There's always that every meal I sit down, my disease is calling me to, to, to shuffle it in and to um, uh, die that way. That's, that's what my um, disease is asking me. And, and then the, the program gives me so much help or hope um, to know that um, God is present and I want to know that God. And um, it's saying I don't need to be disconcerted, that I can, I can really have faith that um, there, is, there is beauty, there is recovery, there is, um, there is God. Um, and I'm, I, can, I can find that by, by continuing on with my recovery and, and, and letting go of the fear that uh, holds me back. Thank you very much. Thank you, Charles D. Carol Kay, you're next. Hi, this is Carol Kay, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from New Jersey. This sentence here really hit me. <clears throat> and uh, But after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. And after she read that, I just came to my head, or else I was going to die just like my two sisters and my brother. You know, I'm one of nine kids in my, my, my family. And... I saw two of my sisters die from this disease. It wasn't pretty. The one died from anorexia. And she lived in the next town over. So we were close. Our kids grew up together. And I saw her suffering. I didn't see my own at the time. I, you know, I had aches and pains, but I, I didn't see my own suffering. And I was in the food. Um, but, of course, it was always easier for me to see other people's and not my own. And my other sister lived with me through my whole marriage. She had mental health issues. and her and I were food buddies. And before I found this program, I didn't know we were food buddies. What the heck did I know? We would go on Jenny Craig together, lose 100 pounds, gain it back. You know, I, what did I know? But I saw her suffer medically too, um, big time. She was in and out of hospital, calling ambulances. Then she's in a hospital for two months, then rehab for two months. Um, she had major medical problems because of compulsive overeating. And then my brother died a year ago, um, Sunday. Um, from this disease, unfortunately. My, by the way, my sister was 42, the one that lived the next town over. The other one was only 48 that lived with me, and my brother was only 63. My brother lived four years in a nursing home because he, nobody could lift him. His daughter wanted to take him in and help him, 
but she couldn't lift him, and he needed he couldn't get up himself to go to the bathroom or anything because he was so large. And um, and so I used to go to the hospitals and the nursing homes to visit them. See, I I stored him red-handed, intubated, down on respirators. The lungs couldn't handle it, and just so much. And you know, I always said to myself, why am I over three hundred pounds, and how come I'm never in a hospital? Like I, 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 I'm, I was agnostic before I came into this program. I didn't know if there was a God. Because if, if there was a God, then why did all these bad things happen to me in life? And why am I fat? And why have I been over 300? Why, 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 why? Well, today, I know why. Because of this beautiful book that was handed to me almost two years ago. It was two years ago by somebody. This beautiful gift that I feel that God wrote this book. That's my own personal feeling, that this book saved my life, saved my life completely. So, you know, that's what I added to that, or else I am going to die. Now, I know I'm going to die. I have an expiration date just like everybody else, but I don't want to die the way I saw my siblings die. And before I came into this program, I thought that was what was going to happen to me because I couldn't find another way out. I have another sister that's always been over 300 pounds. She's two pounds over. She had the gastric bypass and gained the weight back. I saw this. So I said, why should I do this? Because look what happened to her. It doesn't work. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up. All right, so um, anyhow, um, this really got to me, and I just I appreciate you letting me share. Thank you so much for letting me share. Pass. Thank you, Carol Kay. Reggie O, you're next. Star one, Reggie. Hi, thank you. <laughs> it's uh, Reggie. Good morning. Thank you, Melanie, for your service and everybody that's here this morning. And I'm Reggie Go in uh, the Los Angeles area, uh, gratefully recovered and great boy. It's, you know, it's so amazing. I, this book and every paragraph, every two paragraphs, how, you know, like how important it is. Let me just get back to this paragraph, which I actually lost looking for something else. Um, we agnostic. So what I noticed was... <clears throat> that, uh, you know, we've read three paragraphs so far, and it's talked, the word spiritual is in all three paragraphs. In the first paragraph, it's spiritual experience. Second two paragraphs, uh, second and third, it's a spiritual basis and a spiritual basis. And then the, the, the three words experience in the first paragraph and feels in the second paragraph and thought in the third paragraph. And, you know, it's, 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 um, when I came, spiritual experience, you know, when I think about spiritual experience, it's something that goes beyond the mind and beyond the emotions, but actually impacts both of those. And, uh, and it's beyond the physical and it impacts that too. And when I, but I, I, I didn't realize for a while that there was a difference between spirituality and religion. And when I first came into OA many years ago um, and picked up the big book, for the first time I heard it read. I can't remember if I was reading it or if it was being read in a meeting. And there was the word God throughout. And I, I believed in God. I had my entire life. I, I grew up Christian, even though I left the church at a very early age. I had God, I knew God was there. I never questioned that. It wasn't a God I could turn my life and my will over to. I found out the first time I did the steps and the third step. But uh, I was just, I remember being incensed that that word was being used and that, you know, him was being used. And and over time, the working of the steps and the spiritual experience um, 
which is spoken of twice, even before here. And, and both in this chapter, there is a solution. The solution is the spiritual experience. You know, it's, a revolu- it's revolutionized our whole attitude toward everything. Uh, the central fact, you know, is that something, this life force, this creator, this power has entered our hearts and lives in a miraculous way, accomplishing for us what we could never accomplish for ourselves. You know, and then the feelings, the, the two pages later, the the nature, uh, the, the spiritual experience, huge changes, emotional displacements, rearrangements, the guiding forces of our lives and thinking and attitudes, you know, these are all rearranged and changed. And it's really remarkable because, you know, I've experienced that, um, certainly, but it, it's a growing experience. And it's something that can't be described. I mean, we have work to do. You know, this is really about about working the steps and, and, and so we have our job but the, the, the outcome and the results, the spiritual experience, the removal of the obsession, uh, the putting the food down, that's that's actually we don't do that. That's a that's a greater power which is that spiritual experience and that spiritual that we all share. And so I just find that remarkable uh Time. you know and there's and and I'll pass with that. Thank you, Reggie. Thank you, Reggio. And for those that have just come in to join us, this is um, a Vision for You Big Book study. We are on uh, the fourth chapter, We Agnostics, and we are studying today page 44 and sharing on paragraph 2 and 3, if you want to get prepared, so that um, when we open up the next round. But for now, we're going to hear from Terry H. Are you there, Terry? Yes. Hi, everyone. My name is Terry H. in North Carolina, recovered compulsive overeater and grateful today. To be doomed to a compulsive overeating death or to live on a spiritual basis. I am 100% the compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety. Um, I am powerless over compulsive eating, purging, restricting. For me, I have an allergy to certain foods and an obsessive mind. My disease beat me down, slammed me up against the wall many, many times. I wanted to die many times. Um, I was in the hospital for over three months with a tube down my nose and in, into my stomach, feeding me for several weeks under a court order because I wanted to die, and I, my disease was um, helping me along that path at that time. You know, I would put like 10 blankets on top of me trying to get warm um, and just wanting to die. But I didn't. I didn't die at that time. And I was discharged eating three meals a day. Um, The minute I was discharged, you know, my mind took off again. And my disease was in control for the next 19 years. And then again, I arrived again at the place of the crossroads, the doors, either to to go on in my disease and die a death as a result of my compulsive overeating, purging and restricting, or ask for help. And at that time, I chose, you know, I wanted to live. I chose to live. I wanted um, to live life. I didn't just want to survive anymore. I wanted to live life and experience life. And I was willing to do whatever it took. I am so grateful for OA and a vision for you and all those people who came before me and worked the 12 steps through the big book and have had spiritual experience as a result. My sponsor 
you know, chose that door to live on a spiritual basis as well and jumped in the hole with me. I shared, um, you know, and she shared her experience, strength, and hope with me, working the steps. And I worked it, you know, like I was on fire. I had the willingness and rigorous honesty to do whatever it took because I didn't want to die anymore. I wanted to live. I didn't just want to survive in life anymore. I wanted to live life. And today, as a recovered woman, you know, I've had an experience, a spiritual experience, you know, as a result of working those steps and and being willing and, and came to believe in a higher power. And today my goal as a recovered woman is to continue to seek my higher power's guidance every day, to be of maximum service every day. And I start that off in the mornings asking, you know, to be divorced from selfishness, dishonesty, and self-seeking behaviors. And, you know, with that, starting my day with that every day, it just opens up the door for life experiences. And I'm so grateful for that. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Terry H. We're open now again for those that would like to share on those two paragraphs, two and three. Carlisa C. Lisa H. Terry KB. Carlisa C. Katrina R. Hang on just a second. I've gotten behind here just a bit. Wendy M. I heard Kathleen. H. Wow. Russ M. Wendy M. Russ M. Katrina H. Terry KB. Carlisa C. I got you, Carlisa. Thank you, Melanie. Katrine, do you hear Katrine? Katrine, Katrine H. Katrine M. H. Okay, and then Sherry K. B. Did I miss anybody? I'm not sure if I was in there, Amanda R. You were not in there, or were I? Do have you? But you you didn't speak up. Oh, I, I did. I did. Okay, if, I, I got. I grabbed you up, but thank you. You betcha. I got you right in there. Thank you. Okay, so I have Carlisa C. Lisa H, Amanda R, Kathleen O, Russ M, Wendy M, Katrine H, and Sherry K B. Did I miss anybody? Sorry, what did you say, honey? Okay. So then I will have us lead off when, with Carlisa C. Hey, Melanie, this is Carlisa. Thank you for your service, and thanks, everyone, for being here. Um, there are two words on this page that don't appear that often in our big book, but so when they do, they really do get my attention. And the first one is the word, if uh, is the phrase, if you want, honestly want to. And the second, a second word appears a couple of times on this page, which is the word hope, H-O-P-E. Um, and they always get my attention because the initial promise of this book for me is in the preface, who are recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and being. Wow. And when I when I just let that sink into my being, it is really that promise that lured me into this big book. You know, that uh for over thirty years I was over, well over um well over three hundred and twenty pounds and at my highest weight I was three hundred and sixty five pounds. Pounds, highest recorded weight, because at some point, like many of you on the line, I'm sure I just stopped getting on the scale. And that was a, uh, and I had a good life, a professional woman, uh, distinguished career, and but I had this one little problem, 
I couldn't seem to release weight. So I um and 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 it took a long time for me to admit that I didn't want to to release weight. First it had become a protection and in a and from a defensive posture formed when I was very young. And secondly, I certainly did not want to give up my comforter, which was food at that time. So food had become my solution and my God. And so in this page, what's really being, even though I wanted to promise <laughs> to be recovered, in this page, it tells me that what I must do. And it's a, it's a very um, important and wonderful but very scary because, as it said, it wasn't an easy choice for me to make. But today, I'm 185 pounds relieved of 185 pounds, which I never thought I would be for my highest weight, and I'm 5'9", and I live, I'm relieved from 185 million pounds of bondage, and it's through this step in this book. So take heart, anyone who's listening, um, and I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Carlisa. And I just wanted to let folks know that it looks like at three-minute shares we have the time will allow for five people to share. We might not get to everybody unless folks want to take less time. Lisa H., you're next. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for your service. This is Lisa H., a grateful recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. And I have been, you know, I listened to the first two hours and, and now on this, and I keep going back to that must there's not very many musts in the big book, and it says must find a spiritual basis for life. And even when I was in the food, don't you know, I was just sure I had a great spiritual life. Oh, so sorry about that. I'm outside. Um, but it was really my higher power. I was giving, I was giving it to the food. And... When I finally found OA and this big book and started learning about this twofold disease that I have, this allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, because I knew, I always knew I had, I was obsessed about food more than anything else. Um, but the allergy of the body was new for me. And when I put down those alcoholic binge foods, certainly not on my own power, um, it was like my mind cleared for the first time. I was open to a brand experience. I know someone this morning shared that their spiritual life was way better now than it was, even though I was a religious spiritual person, so I thought. Um, and I feel like this line should be in italics because for me, it is the most important. The consciousness of the presence of God in my life today is the most important thing. And I have my guide, my big book guide, to thank for part of that. I have you all on the line to thank for that. Certainly um, working, taking the action in these steps to thank for that. Um, and I realize I only have a 24-hour reprieve. So just for today, I'm going to work on maintaining that spiritual basis for my life because um, it's been greater than anything I could ever have wanted or imagined. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Lisa H. Amanda R., your turn.
Hi, sorry for the silence. It's Amanda R., recovered compulsive reader in Maine. And that sentence, to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. And it's kind of funny that that should really speak to me so much because I came into this program with faith. The program strengthened my religious faith. And yet that, that really always speaks to me because I, I find that what was what was a problem for me in thinking about living a life on a spiritual basis, and I think it might be a problem for some other people too, so I, I um, shine a spotlight on my own hurdles to see if maybe they might help somebody else, is I had this idea of a higher power that was kind of like you had to do everything just right for this higher power to, A, pay attention to you, and B, help you out. And you really just had to work it really, really hard. And then you might get what you need, but you might not. You might just get unlucky and accidentally say the wrong thing, and boom, you're out the door. And, you know, honestly, looking at that, that (laughs) image of a higher power has distinctly has some characteristics of one of my parents, which... um, and so my part of my journey is to notice when that's happening, which it you know it creeps up on me just slowly. And who would want a higher power like that? Like honestly, yeah, it would be a hard um, hard alternative to face to go into my addiction or to try to please a higher power like that. Like yeah, but if I can hold on to the possibility that my notion of my higher power is perhaps inaccurate, perhaps needs some updating, some adjustments, a, a reality check. There's a lot of uh there's a lot of hope that can come in that. And um yeah, I think that that's all I'll say. I pass. Thank you, Amanda R. Kathleen O. Good morning, Melanie, um, and thank you, everyone on the line. I really learned so much from everyone's shares. So to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to faith. And I came in hopeless. To be doomed to an alcoholic death or live on a spiritual basis, that was not what I wanted to hear. You know, where was the option of being able to be thin and to eat what I wanted? Well, as I learned very quickly, there is no door number three. So I had to admit I was powerless. Did I want to be in the bondage of food or did I want the freedom? And I didn't want to die, but I didn't want to live a miserable life where the food was my focus every day. You know, to think about how I was going to get it, where I could eat in isolation, that was not a life. And I was miserable, but I was also out of ideas. So God could do and would if God was sought, God could do for me what I couldn't do for myself. You know, I don't believe I was created to live a life that revolved around food. And food wasn't my problem. I always thought it was, but it was my problem. Um, you know, my emotions were my problem. And as it was so eloquently stated in the person who read first this morning, it was my thinking. You know, it was my mind that was my problem. So my life depended on working these steps. You know, where was I selfish and self-seeking? Where had I been dishonest? And I had to suit up and show up, and I had to walk the talk. With a higher power and working these steps, 
I no longer have to eat my emotions. I can let God be in control, and that is huge. I'm then in much much less danger of resentments, anger, fear, making decisions I'm going to regret. And when resentments and fear do crop up, I just do a 10th and 11th step really quickly so that I don't have to eat and I can get on with my life and be the person that I was created to be. So my only option was having a relationship with power greater than myself. And the only way to conquer this disease a day at a time is to have a spiritually guided life. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kathleen O. Russ M. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for being on the line. I really appreciate it. You guys give me a lot of a lot of fight. You allow me to keep going. Uh, I'm relatively new to the program. About four, four and a half months involved, and you know it's changing my life. You know, when we re- going through the big book is just whew, how awesome is it? And it's like, uh, you know, that second pack, the second, the stuff that we were looking at today, you know, I, I see like, you know, either I'm going to die in a foodaholic or, you know, have that spiritual awakening. And it's like, uh, you know, I, I come from a Christian background, Catholic, and I've had, some, I've seen some incredible things over my life and not small miracles, huge miracles. And I still didn't believe it's because I was blocked with food. I had this disease, and I didn't know it. I didn't know it. I didn't know it. So I, so I hit this, you know, hit the bottom. So, so what I'm getting at is I still struggle with it. But the miracle is, is that, you know, I got four and a half months. And, uh, you know, I couldn't get, and I'm not exaggerating, I couldn't get minutes of time the way I used to abuse. And, um, you know, it's that, it's that trust issue and surrendering. You know, either I'm going to surrender to food, food is my God or my higher power. And uh, I definitely don't want to go back to it. And it's just a constant struggle. You know, it's a constant struggle with that, you know, that obsessive mind and, and the allergy of the body and looking in at yourself selfishly, not not to better yourself, but in a selfish way. It's a terrible, terrible mix. And it is a killer. You know, either either we change or we die. And it, it's just as bad as any other drug. So, um, you know, I play this. <laughs> I've been playing this on on audiobook. I listened to this chapter six times yesterday. So I'm going to use this big book in any facet, form, shape, way I can. So it gets in, in, in into my into my soul because I have to constantly recognize the miracles. So not the big ones, but the small ones that are happening every day. And sometimes it's really difficult, you know, because you get wrapped up even in the program. You know, you want to make sure your structure's right, and we can miss the forest through the trees. So I'm just humbled by what it's, this has done for my faith and what it's doing for me as a man. So I, I really appreciate everybody just always. Like I always say, you're the strongest people on, on the earth. And thank you so much for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Russ M., Wendy M., you'll wrap up this meeting for us today. Yes, good morning, Wendy M., recovered in Colorado. Um, Thank you so much, all of you, for your service today. Um, And a couple things really uh, stood out, and I so appreciate the shares. Um, I love that it's like doom and disaster or else, 
and then it's um but it isn't so difficult really it's not not very hard um, and cheer up you know and i love that and it's true you know when i'm taking a newcomer through um we have to look at what this is what this disease is um and who we are um and then immediately it's good cheer up you know and my sponsor said that to me immediately Wendy, you're going to experience miracles um you will be free like you've never been free before so it is a but cheer up, absolutely. And um, and then the other piece that was really interesting to me um, was this issue of being agnostic about some things. And, you know, I got the food thing. I got the entirely abstinent thing. But I'm realizing, you know, there's one thing to get abstinent and then there's another thing to stay abstinent. And that's where, like, admission of my disease every day, you know, I need to do that every single day. And um, the other thing it says here that's interesting is, um, you know, it says, you know, D- don't worry, we can do this. And, um, and, and, and what I like to say all the time, reminding myself that it's easier to be entirely abstinent than it is to be in the food. Um, and I think that's that's really important. And then finally, the issue of um, being agnostic about some things. Boy, did that ring a bell today. Um, you know, I I can be agnostic um, about fear. I can forget. I can be agnostic about control, worry, uh, dishonesty. You know, I can... And the other thing is, you know, for all my life, I didn't believe in a higher power. I believed in myself, right? I got to run the show. I believed in me. That was my higher power. And it still comes through the cracks. Absolutely. Um, I can be entirely abstinent with the food and want to control my son. Easily want to control my husband. And um, that kind of agnosticism, if that's the word, um, I have to be reminded, and thank God someone said today, we can be agnostic about certain things. It was such a revelation. And, you know, when someone says that on the line, what happens for me is I get completely cracked open Time. and I get freedom. Thank you so much for letting me share that. Thank you, Wendy M. And thank you to everyone that shared today. Fantastic meeting. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164 and follow that with a serenity prayer. Well, Sherry KB, please read from A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, everybody. Sherry KB in Northern California, grateful recovery compulsive overreader. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask Him in your morning meditation what you can do, what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet most some of us, as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.